ever get the uneasy feeling that you've been fed a lie? Not just any lie, but one that you have believed your entire life and which has guided many of your decisions. Most of the time, we shake off this feeling and go about our lives. But what if that feeling was the key to unlocking everything? I'm Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and on each episode of The Big Lie, we'll reveal a new lie that once uncovered has the power to transform your relationships, career, and life. Let's do this. Do you enjoy having great ideas, but not being heard? Or worse, having someone repeat them and get all the credit? Are you happy to continue delivering great work only to be passed over and watch as others from outside the company or your peers get the job? Would you benefit from being part of a community whose focus is on developing the interpersonal skills needed to elevate your career? Hi, I'm Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and I just launched such a community on Slack called Unlock You. If you believe unlocking interpersonal skills is a crucial part of elevating your career, I would love for you to join us. Enrollment is currently open and free. You can go to www.connectioncounselor.com and click on the link to join us. See you soon. Welcome to The Big Lie, the show that changes everything. Every episode, we have a different guest share the lie that once you realize it is a lie, it changes everything. Today, we have with us Renata Porter. She has a passion for sports, growing up as an athlete, putting herself through college on athletic scholarship, and starting Your Sports Resource to apply what she knows to help those in nonprofit youth sports. When COVID-19 struck, sports teams were especially hit hard as memberships declined and worry and anxiety started to set in. That's when Renata stepped up to help teams, boards, and volunteers with training, guidance, and ways to grow their programs. Hi, Renata. How are you feeling as we seem to somewhat be coming out of COVID and the global (laughs) pandemic? How are you feeling today? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yes. Super excited to have you here. Yes. So tell us uh, a little bit about where you find joy, right? People are having to find new ways to find joy with what's going on. Well, where do you find joy? Well, I, um, it's a, it's a very much diversion from my professional life, but where I find um, joy is uh, getting my hands dirty. I love to garden. Um, I have a big vegetable garden and um, yeah, anytime that I need space to think <laughs> when I'm, my head brain has been crowded, um, that's usually where I go. I get my hands dirty. Uh, nothing's better than getting your hands and your feet in the dirt and uh, digging up and also, you know, hey, producing your own uh, fruit and veg is pretty good too. So that, that is definitely where I find my joy. Do you have a Thank favorite you. or a, a family favorite of, of what you grow back there? Well, th- my this is my first year of actually being able to uh, harvest asparagus. Out of all the years that I've been a, a growing vegetable, which has been many, many, many years, I've never grown um, asparagus. And that was a huge hit with the family. I mean, that was, I thought for sure we'd get tired of it. And uh, no, 
no, we had it almost every other night. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> so amazing. That it, yeah. it, does it seem different than the one you, you'd get like in the supermarket or, or is it somewhat similar? Oh, it's definitely, you get a lot more of the asparagus stock. You don't uh -huh. have to cut off so much because it doesn't get as woody because it has been sitting around for a long period of time. I mean, you still need to cut off the end, but nowhere near as much as, uh, as you know, what's been sitting at the grocery store. So definitely a much more tender and lovely. Interesting was, and it, healthy. Yes. So good. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's proceed to our launching point for the big lie. You shared two quotes uh, with me, wonderful quotes. I'll, I'll read them both. Okay. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, where the lie is in there. So uh, the first one is leadership is one of the sports intangibles. Guys can score, guys can fight, guys can skate faster than anybody else. But not everyone can say, follow me. And that's an unknown quote. Uh, and the second quote is, Players don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's mm -hmm. by Coach Pat Summit. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about what these quotes mean to you and, and a little bit about the big lie you've discovered over the years. Well, I think, you know, because I work on the on the other side of sports, right? So so the bulk of, of my work is with the board and all the volunteers who actually support the organization and make it move forward. The second one, I think, resonates the most because I think, um, you know, even the, the coach understands how much they can uh, motivate the, uh, the athlete, but really what the coach and the board and all the volunteers, all the help that they do actually shows the athletes how much they care, right? So it's one thing to just kind of just, you know, uh, be focused on the on the athlete. But the other thing is to understand that the whole other side of the business is what moves that athlete forward, right? So that proper planning and, and training and, and um, organization and just all the boring stuff that nobody likes to do is what actually allows that athlete to grow as an athlete because it, it enables them to get to bigger and better uh, competitions and have, you know, just more things available to them as they're training to become, you know, a higher caliber athlete. I don't always want to focus on, you know, the high caliber athletes, but everybody has an opportunity to grow as an athlete, you know, but, you know, that quote of, of, them understanding that the people around them care is massive. And I think that's, um, that's uh, a big part of what I try to get across to the people that I work with, you know, that the board is absolutely, you know, they're not just people in seats, they're an absolute functional side of sports and what they do has a direct impact in what you can deliver to your members, which are your athletes and your families. So tell us a little bit about perhaps for those who aren't as familiar or involved mm -hmm. in organized sports, you know, you're talking about the board uh, and, and things that they may do to make things better or, or things that may, you know, be detrimental to the performance of the program and the athletes. Sure. And talk a little bit um, specifically about things that you've seen in the past and, and ways you've been able to sort of point these things out to others. Well, I think um, there's two sides of it, right? So there's there's usually um, there's usually the side to where the board doesn't understand, or even the members don't truly understand their role, or or the board's role. Um, 
in that they just know that they're they need a president and a treasurer and a secretary, but they just don't understand like how much of an so aside from the fact that you actually have like your legal obligations with the IRS, <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, but there's so many, you would be amazed at how many clubs really have no clue what their budget is. Wow. They have no idea. They've never done a budget or there's a budget, but they look at it once a year. Right. Right. So they don't understand how like those kinds of things that if you actually thought about your club or your organization as of a business, because you are a nonprofit, you yeah. are an organization. It's just that you deal with youth sports, right? So I think, um, I feel like I'm getting away from your questioning. You tell me if I am, but I think, you know, if, if people could just kind of understand that that structure and being able to budget and plan, because you do have an idea of, of where you're going, you know, you've got a vision, you've got your monthly goals, you go over them every month, you know, you have that structure and, and, things in place, that is how you can deliver to your membership. So what I try to do is to get them to understand that, listen, I know it's just you sports, right? And I know that you, you know, a lot of people take their role very seriously while I'm the board president, but they still have no idea what they're supposed to be doing, right? Yeah. I just, and that's why I started your sports resource. Even though I was doing quite a bit of consulting with sports youth, youth teams, um, there's so many of them out there in every kind of sport, right. That I just felt like there needed to be a way to get this information out to people so they could understand how much value and how much impact they could actually have than just holding a seat. That seat has to mean something. It has to translate into action and that translation and having a board that works together. It's just like in business, regular business, right? Having a team that works well together can always do 10 times the amount as you know, a group of people where one person is doing all the work or a group of people who can't agree on anything. Right. So I, I just felt like if I pulled that, that website together, that, uh, and that business together, it was a, it was a, an affordable, cause it's a membership site, right? So it's an uh -huh. affordable way for people to check in and get information and have learning opportunities. And then if they want to consulting that, you know, that, that could happen, but you know, I, again, for me, a big part of like getting people to realize how much of an impact they have on their members is usually my biggest hurdle. Like they understand the meaning of a board president of a treasurer, but they don't understand what those actions mean. You know, what I find interesting, and, and let me know if I'm totally off base here. I, I feel a lot of the um, board members may have initially gotten involved because they are just interested in the sport or they may have a family member who's mm -hmm. who's into it and and to your point they don't realize how that role is not just something that you fill because they needed a position filled it's actually fundamental to what's possible for the program and for the athletes that perhaps they have a relationship with Absolutely. And one of the biggest things I work on is getting them to understand how to recruit and retain volunteers that you actually need and who have the skill set instead of just taking warm bodies. And I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of times people do want to give back and they do want to volunteer, but they really don't understand how their role could, you know, or how they could, you know, um, give back to the organization that's giving back to their family because their children are on the team, right? Some people have great skill sets. Some people have very general uh, skill sets, right? So it doesn't mean that 
everybody has to be amazing at one thing. It just means that you need to put the right people in the right spots. And I think a lot of time, you know, clubs just like tap shoulders and warm bodies because they don't plan out and they don't think about, you know, okay, yes, we have an opening coming up in six months. The president is leaving. We need to make sure we find somebody who understands and has that leadership and uh, capability. It's somebody who knows how to plan, someone who knows how to engage people and pull them in. And so everybody's working together, you know, oh, we have a secretary role coming up. We need somebody who is actually organized, can keep everybody together, who can mm -hmm. manage all the information in detail, or even something like a capital project. Like, let's say you have a team that's like really well pulled together, you know, and they're doing well financially, but they need a new pool or they need a new soccer field or they need something that they're going to build. So they have a capital project. Well, that's a massive undertaking. That's really a specific skill to be able to lead that. So you either purchase that role or you, I mean, usually if you have a, a, a decent sized membership, you've got somebody that has actually got some type of experience in leading projects. So it's just all about taking it a little bit more seriously than it, oh, it's just my kid's swim team or my kid's, you know, gymnastics team or whatever, you know, and that it is business. And, and the more that you can treat it like that and structure it, the better the outcomes are for everybody, even the board members, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, so you mentioned, you know, um, some sort of capital purchase, like a pool or, or, or a major change of the field. Just curious, what, what have you seen in terms of like what's possible when you have a really strong board, right? Like when you have a bunch of people with good skills or know how to, you know, get those skills and are really working together to improve things like what is possible versus just okay we're gonna schedule the games and have the games right and then the kids yeah, can sure. play well let me give you two examples so i'll give you one um a, a team that i worked with because we had done the work together on um structuring their um coaching staff so there's proper reporting lines and evaluations and really good kpis as far as that's concerned but overall, what, what we did before that is we did, you know, um, your vision, values, and behavior. So everything that's like, you know, not just your vision and values, but how are you going to walk the walk and make sure you reach your vision, right? And we did a lot of work that grounded that team together about how to move forward. And then six months later, when, you know, March um, of last year hit and membership fell out of the out of the bucket, mm -hmm. they were set in a place to where they understood and they knew fully all of their coaches. They knew who was, who was um, somebody that they could um, put on the bench for a bit. They knew where they could cut ties. They had developed really strong relationships with other, um, you know, facilities so they could um, work out deals to be able to extend their rents and their leases. So because they had done the structure inside, when they were hit with a massive change of, you know, it was a massive challenge, right? Um, that they were able to handle it. So that's the one side, the negative side, right? So it, I mean, it's a positive outcome, but it's when mm -hmm. a negative thing happens, right? So when you've got a team that's really, you know, I, I use team as not the athletes, the actual board and, and right. volunteers, right? When you've got a team pulled together and they know what they're doing, where they're going, everybody's active, everybody has input, then you know exactly where you stand and what changes you can make and what changes you can't afford to make, right? 
And the other side is, is on the positive. I just met with a group that um, they're in a really small town and it, this is a swim team. They're a really small town. Uh, swimming is in my background. So obviously I'm going to bring up swimming a lot, but I work with a lot of different sports. So, um, but they um, were mainly utilizing a high school team, high school's pool. Uh-huh. And there was a, there was a, there was a senior prank. And um, to, in order to repair the pool would cost the high school way more than they had the budget for. Right. So, and which meant that that put that swim team out of a cycle of being able to train. So what they did is they put their thinking cap on, they worked together to be able to, okay, how can we bridge the gap with the high school? How can we work with them? So they went out and they fundraised and fundraised. And then they also uh, worked through taking over the management of that pool. So because they had a team that worked well together, they were able to think creatively to solve a situation as well. And also it brought, brings them in extra business now as well, because they manage that pool. They get to rent that pool out to other people and other groups in order to make money that way. So I just think either way, when it's a positive or negative situation, you actually are able to make something of it to where it works for your membership instead of just sitting there going, I mean, like COVID's a big one and so many clubs just lost their membership as you said in the in the um in the intro that if you didn't have a team that knew what they were doing and had an understanding of their books not just financially but like like their staff and their team and their people you know how do you come out of a situation like that when all of a sudden 70 percent of your membership can't afford dues for the next how many ever months what do you do right so if there's ever a reason or an example to get yourself pulled together, that should be it. So you're solvent. So you can like stay, you, you can, you know, stay alive during the really bad times, but then get to the point to where you're actually thriving and can think laterally and move laterally and, you know, in order to move ahead. Well, you know, what I find really interesting about what you're saying, Renata, is, and it goes back to the big lie, you know, just because the, let's call it product which mm-hmm. is youth sports, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, we're not talking about Olympians, you know, playing sports, right? These are, these right. are people's kids. Um, just because that's the product doesn't mean that the, I'm using air quotes here, business side of it, right? The operations to getting it right. done is any less important or doesn't need to be done in a professional manner. And, and the things you described, you know, first, um, in terms of sort of that kind of disaster recovery, right? Like obviously COVID is like an extreme example, but in any business, you don't deal with that well if you haven't been doing, like you said, all the foundational things ahead of time. That's not something you pick up on day one. Disaster happens and you start and then you solve everything on day two. No, that groundwork happened before. And I love the, the high school story too, because they solved the problem. It sounded like that they didn't make, right? Like, like yeah, they came absolutely. in and helped with a problem that someone else created and they made it better, like with the high school. I mean, that's a great story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was pretty exciting to hear it. Cause I was like, wow, what a, what a way to think out of the box. I mean, that was just, that's great. And it also brings, it's a, it's an extra revenue stream that, you know, that they didn't even consider all that. At first it was kind of like, oh my gosh, we've lost 50% of our swim time. <laughs> now what? <laughs> 
So, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, obviously without giving away your, your, your secret sauce here, how do you, how do you help the people on the board and to a lesser extent, the volunteers and coaches um, make that shift in perspective? Well, I think it's something that I've been doing forever in my professional life. And that's bringing people in teams together and getting them to work well with each other. And I think, you know, listen, I, I have a very um, low tolerance for um, BS and, and, and I'm, I'm a very straightforward individual without being harsh. Right. So I'm, I'm very much able to like kind of call things out and go, but why do you think that way? How, you know, how does that benefit everybody? How does that benefit you know, the group over the few and, and try to get them to understand that, um, what is the purpose of this role? You know, why does a team of your size have someone who's solely focused on, um, marketing? Is that, is that a benefit? It is. Okay. Let's, let's, let's write that out. Let's see, let's, let's verify. So I think, I, I think, for me, I work really well with people in being able to pull people who have different capacities mm -hmm. and different passion um, together to understand that everybody's there to do a role that benefits the members. And I think once I can get everybody over the hurdle to understand that the what the purpose of their position it is, no matter what the position is, ultimately you signed on to serve your membership. It is a volunteer role usually. Um, so you're there to serve your membership and not, again, let's not, let's not, you know, trivialize the legalities of what you've signed up for, because mm -hmm. if somebody's making mistakes financially, the board's on the hook, not the coach. Mm -hmm. The board is the one that's going to end up in the papers, right? The board's right, right. going to be the one to be strung up by IRS. So, so, all of that stuff aside, you know, but understanding that there's more to it than just the sports, right? So if, if, if they can get past the, and understand why they're there and the true value that they can add to the organization. And, and one of the things that I actually go for is like, let's put sports, let's put the athlete of their goal of, um, you know, making nationals or making it to state or whatever it is to the side. Let's talk about, you know, the opportunity that you have to create amazing relationships for these kids. For the fact that because you think so highly of them and are able to put them in a really solid environment where they can work well together and practice well together, they learn to be organized. You know, they, they understand structure because every day they've got to get up and pack their bags and they've got to get to practice and they've got to practice. Then they've got to go to school and they've got to get their homework done and everything before the second practice of the day, you know? So there's all that. It's not even just the sport, the act of the actual sport. It's, it's life skills that you have your hand in, not only with your own child, but with all these children. So usually that's what I try to do. I try to get them over that hurdle of, bickering between each other because they don't agree on one silly thing and understand the bigger picture. And as soon as I can get them there, then it's, then it's cake. Then it's like, okay, let's get organized. And then I get the eye roll when I want them to write things down. <laughs> what do you mean? I have to write down what I do. Yeah. You need to write it down. What if you don't show up one day, you know, this common sense stuff kind of goes out the window, but 
but anyways. Well, what I find really interesting about um, what you do, and, and thanks for that explanation, is the board is actually operating as their own team, right? If, mm. if, if they're not operating as a team, then how can they expect the teams that they support uh, to have, you know, the support that they need. It's, it's a little bit of, um, it's a little ironic, right? Like if right. you have a dysfunctional team trying to like, you know, do good service to the teams they support. Yeah. And there's, there's, unfortunately, um, I've experienced quite a bit where the boards and the coaches don't exactly get along. They're kind of going uh, in two different directions. And that's another area that I've worked quite a bit on is trying to bring them together. I mean, it doesn't do a board any good to put down a, a vision if it doesn't meet where the coach wants to go, mm-hmm. you know, so it's trying to get the coach and the board to work together and bridge that gap. Some, some teams do really well with that. Some organizations do really well with that. Some have boards and coaches that don't even talk, which I don't know how they operate, Wow, you know, and then there's some where they just kind of tolerate each other. So it's, it's kind of all three spectrums and just trying to get them to understand that they need to work together, right? They both need to work together to deliver the same vision. You want to take athletes to Olympic trials? How are you going to get there without the board's help? Yeah. Right. Do you want to focus on writing a budget? and checking the bank account or do you want to coach the kids do you want to send the newsletter out or do you want to coach the kids you know that kind of thing and same thing with the board do you want to coach the kids or would you rather you know make sure the newsletter gets out so everybody knows that you know a meet's coming up or whatever so it's trying to get them to understand how they need to work in tandem with each other and help each other out well what's interesting to me about what you do renata is you know although your expertise and your experience uh, of, you know, participating and being involved in sports heavily informs what you do. It sounds like a lot of what you're helping them with are uh, what I would call not basic, but, you know, um, important or fundamental business skills and organizational skills that you may teach anyone that, that, you know, even without uh, the sports being the background or the product. Yeah, I mean, actually, that that's that was my um, background for so many years. Is is in in business is mm-hmm. you know uh, working out you know organizational structure, right butts, right seats, right, and then um, trying to get people organized and getting teams organized and bringing them together. And just because I had that love and passion for sports, and I just recognize there's nothing out there for all of these nonprofit in the sports arena that it was just kind of an easy. Well, I felt like it was an easy transition to move from business to that. It's all leadership and relationship skills. And then the after you get that, it's getting them to understand that how they need to structurally organize themselves, whether it's documentation and, um, you know, just getting everything in order, especially when you have nonprofits and the nature of that business is every few years you have new people coming through. So getting them structured and organized, it, what might be common sense to you and I is not common sense to everybody. A lot of times you get a new board member here that come in that has nothing. They're given nothing. They get like a 30 minute conversation saying, Oh, this is what I did last year. And that's it. There's no documentation. There's no how to do your job. There's no contacts list. They have no idea who they're supposed to contact to do X, Y, and Z. And to me, that's just like, you have that person spinning for six months instead of hitting the ground running as soon as they walk through the door. Right. So again, common sense to you and I, but not so common sense to these sports organizations. 
You know, another thing I find interesting in addition to them kind of maybe not understanding some of the fundamentals of the role that, you know, they're they're supposed to play is, you know, in my experience dealing with various organizational groups and, and nonprofits and diversity groups, you know, generally I've been pretty fortunate. The people generally are well-intentioned and they're yes. smart, you know, they're talented yes. people. However, however, they're not always engaged or being used in the right way. So either they're unengaged because they don't know what they're supposed to do, or no one has given them the vision that's going to engage them, or, you know, that they're just kind of not taking it as seriously as they might, because they haven't really gotten to that point yet. So talk to us a little bit about how that can have a big impact on the success of a, of a sports, you know, board or organization. Well, I think the first part is, is just what I was saying before in that, um, you need to be ready for people to come on board, right? So, so what is the point to say that you need someone to run the concession stand and then you don't teach them how to run the concession stand? <laughs> so, so, right. So, I mean, there's like food ordinances that they need to be aware of. So it's not just like, I just show up and open the door. There's more to it. And, and yeah. I think that's the thing, like people just don't understand how the planning and the preparation just saves so much wasted time, energy, and effort. And then you have a well-intentioned volunteer who's like ready to give of their time, who thinks you're not serious right. and think that they've wasted their time because they've showed up to work and you weren't ready for them. Right. So there's that. And then the other side of it is, you know, you, you get your peacocks, the people who just want to wear the title of being a volunteer, but don't actually want to work and, and getting them to understand that, you know, no, listen, you have to, this, you sign up for a volunteer role, not for yourself. You volunteered to help others and getting them across that line and getting them to understand, you know, again, the value they need to, to give back to the membership. So those are kind of tricky. Those I usually just kind of work with the others around them on getting them ushered out, but <laughs> I say it is what it is. So, um, but I think, you know, it, again, if, if a club can be very organized because the nature of a nonprofit business is turnover, right? It's, you're going to have new people coming in and out. So when you get organized and you're able to say that this person does this, per, this is how you open and close the concession stand, right? then I know that's a trivial example, but it, it wastes fret and worry and, and spinning wheels. You get someone who comes in, knows exactly what they're supposed to do, what's expected of them, and they can actually start working and giving back to the organization instead of having to be handheld and taught and, you know, or just left to their own devices and things being done incorrectly, which is, you know, again, not a good look for the organization and how do you expect to to recruit and retain more volunteers if you don't take that that seriously you know renata i hadn't thought about this before but when you mentioned the turnover um i imagine a situation i think it's similar in all sorts of nonprofits, where if you have a very strong leader or core of leaders right Mm -hmm. who are making things happen doing the right thing giving things the right consideration, training people, but what they're doing isn't, to you, to use your words, written down or systematized into the organization, 
you and I can imagine what happens when one of those leaders moves or gets right. sick or their kid graduates so they're not engaged anymore and they say sorry guys I've done this for 5 years you know I'm I'm dropping out yeah. and then all of a sudden people wonder why things are not running as as smoothly as they were before what happened so it yeah. seems to me that uh, um any serious or or I don't want to say serious like you know youth sports isn't serious but like any organization that takes its responsibilities seriously will not just rely on like a person yeah. to do that they'll have systems yeah. and processes in place absolutely i think the biggest thing the biggest disservice that a lot of clubs do when they recruit for volunteers is they do not they do they're not honest about expectations right so it's uh, like oh you just have to show up to a board meeting once a month and it's like no if you're actually going to hold a board seat you need to be willing to give of your time a minimum, depending on the role, 10 hours a week. Wow. That's a lot. So, yeah. And it should be yeah. right. So how do you, I mean, look at the secretary and the president, they should be doing quite a bit of work every week, right? Especially mm -hmm. the secretary. I would have to say that she probably does most of the work or he does yeah. most of the work. Right. So, but be honest about it. You yeah. know, if you want someone to come in and help out, don't tell them, eh, it's not going to be that big of a deal. You just meet every once in a while. No, there's prep, there's planning you know, there's efficiencies. And, and like you said, you know, while it seems silly to have to document or write things down or take videos of what you do, whatever it is, however you choose to do it. Um, it's not just about someone who's decided that they've had, you know, enough and they're on their way out, but what if something happens and they just right. can't show up? Yeah, yeah. Right? Who's going to step in and and fill in? You you need something to refer to to make sure that you understand what they're doing. And it's not just, you know, log into this account, do X, do X, do X. It's also about who are their contacts? Who are they meeting with next week? For all you know, the president had a meeting with somebody who might be a great donor or sponsor of the organization. Who's going to pick that up? Where are his notes so it can be picked up? Right? So again, it's that lie of, ah, it's just a sports club. It's, it's much bigger than that. And I think that if people walk in, now I wanted to offer you guys something free, and we could talk about that at the end, but, but I, you know, it's much bigger than just getting the right volunteers. It's actually doing the right thing. So you keep and retain those volunteers. And also, so if somebody does have to leave, the ball can be picked up and it's not a mad scramble. Or it's not one person trying to manage two or three different roles because nobody else cares enough to pick up the, the slack. Mm. You know, one, one of the great things that I found from being involved, not specifically in youth sports, but like in, in other organizations, maybe outside of your, your, let's call it your day job, is you get to learn a lot of skills and use a lot of muscles that you may not be required to do. Mm for your role, but can actually be really helpful, you know, for your role, you bring them back. And just in life in general, you're, you're able to try out and do and learn a lot of things that you may not have access mm -hmm. to in, in sort of the narrow parameters of whatever your job is. Right. So, you know, when you're going for it, when I say that you're trying to recruit the volunteers that have the right skill sets, you know, I think desire is part of that and, and setting them up for success to learn. So mm -hmm. maybe for the treasurer, you, you wouldn't hire someone who's never worked on a budget, doesn't understand what a budget is. Maybe right. that's okay. Right. But 
somebody who wants to be the club secretary or the, or the club, um, you know, president or hold another volunteer role in the organization doesn't mean that they actually have to have specifically matching skills. Desire is part of it, right? And setting them up for success and giving them the keys to learn more is the other thing. I think board seats should be open to people who want to build their skills, right? Right. But you need to set them up for success. You need to be honest about how many hours they need to be working on it. And then you need to give them the tools, which is all the previous information or any information that they need to be successful. It's just like walking into a job. You can't hire someone at your company to do a role and then just have them sit down at their desk and try to figure it out by themselves. Nobody would do that. Well, I hope nobody would do that. (laughs) So what's the difference with the volunteer? right? If you really want someone engaged who wants to love your organization and go talk to other people about your organization to recruit others, whether it's recruit volunteers, recruit members and athletes, or recruit sponsors, remember someone who's loved and treated well could actually be the biggest voice box for your organization. You know, so giving them opportunities and setting them up for success is, 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 is huge. So we're not. Like this we've is, kind of been all over the place. Sorry. Yeah. Well. Well. You know, this has been super interesting. I mean, I'm I'm learning not just um uh, about the uh, youth sports part, but a lot of this is just generally applicable to um, running an organization, which which I find fantastically helpful. So thank you for that. Um, no problem. Let's move on to our next step. So, you know, now that our guests sort of understand uh, a little bit about the truth about, you know, nonprofits and in specifically in, in your context, you know, youth sports uh, boards and nonprofits, um, for someone who maybe is involved or looking to get involved in that area, what's one concrete step that people can do to take advantage of this new knowledge? Um, I think bring it back to your, to your club and have it, have an honest conversation, you know, and about, you know, Hey guys, I was listening and, you know, there were some really good points in the fact that I don't think we have everything written down, you know, and kind of go back to them and, and explain to them why that needs to take place. Not just because you're asking them to do work, but what are the benefits of actually doing it, right? So go back to your club and actually maybe even doing it yourself, do it yourself. If you hold a role right now, sit down, write down everything that you do for that organization. And when you do it, you might have items you do daily. You might have items you do weekly. You might have items you do monthly or yearly, whatever they are, document them and show them how like, listen, Hey, if I've got to take off on an on emergency leave, I can hand this over to somebody and they know who my contacts are. They know how to pick up the pieces and go. So I think if you could just take that from this conversation and um, apply it to uh, bring it back to your other volunteers or your, or your, your club and get them to, to jump on board, that would be huge. I think the other thing is if you wanted to, you could go to my site, yoursportsresource.com. And then I've got a freebie on there for uh, your listeners to learn how to recruit and retain the right volunteers and what that means and what work you need to put in place. So again, it's at yoursportsresource.com forward slash bonus, and it's free. You can just download it and then take that back to your board and go, okay, listen, we need to be really targeted about our volunteers. We got a big project coming up. We need to think about what kind of skills we're looking for. Okay. We've found that, you know, we've struggled with this role in our board, or we've struggled with this type of volunteer. 
maybe we should put a little rigor around it and make sure that we're doing the right things to find the right people. So all that is in that document to understand, you know, how to do that and then how to keep them there, um, which is the next step. Getting them is one thing, how to keep them there is the next thing, so. Awesome, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, no so let me ask, uh, it, it sounds like you've been, uh, you know, this isn't new for you. You've been, you've been building this, you've been working on it, you've been expanding it. Um, yes. What, what are you working on now? And if folks want to get in touch with you or, or learn more, how might they do that? So um, the Your Sports Resource um, platform is very new for me. And that's okay. what I'm pushing right now. And basically, it's a membership site to get articles and training. And, nice. and it's $60 a year. It's nothing, right? It's basically, it just, it just pays to keep the platform up. And then there's also a community site as far as that's concerned. So that's what my big passion is right now is getting that out there because the more people, you know, and it doesn't always have to be, you know, um, information that's written by me, being able to share information with people who are in your same position across the country is huge. Um, there's big advantages to having that knowledge and expertise. So you don't have to actually, you know, do the struggle yourself. So I think, you know, that's my big push. I mean, I, I have consulting work and I do consulting with sports clubs, but I really would love to get this off the ground so it's open to more people and they have the opportunity to work with each other and learn from each other. Um, did you say how to contact me? Yeah, Is yeah. If people want to okay. like your socials or, you know, <laughs> how do people get in touch yeah. with you, right? Someone might have questions. I'm not really big on social and I know I should be, but um, so you can um, just get me at info at yoursportsresource.com or you can find me Renata Porter on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Or renataporter.com. I've got websites everywhere, but you know, yeah, you can reach me that way. Absolutely. We, we, we won't be TikToking you. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I love TikTok. I wish I could, I wish I had the guts to, uh, to uh, do some TikToks myself. I, I, it's an addictive app. That's for sure. <laughs> well, thank you, Renata, so much for sharing your big lie thank with you. us. I can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, wonderful. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hi, this is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor. I have an exciting update to share. My third book, Unlock Your Connection, Feel Like Family, is available on Amazon.com. Using universal principles, we explore how to unlock more professional success by learning how to connect to anyone, anytime, anywhere. Together with Unlock Your Charisma and Unlock Your Executive Presence, these three books form the first segment of my Unlock Your Leadership series. To learn more, go to www.connectioncounselor.com. For questions or to inquire about personal or team coaching, email me at joe at connectioncounselor.com. Thank you so much for listening to The Big Lie. We hope it has an amazing impact on your life. I only have one favor to ask. If you enjoy the show, please tell the one person you know who needs to hear about it and share the link. That's it. Together, we can vanquish these illusions that are holding us back.